Signals were getting underway here on Thursday show of the 11th of June. I believe that's right. Yeah, that's what it is. The 11th of June, 2020. Cody's there already joined us right as we got started. Hey, Cody, I can hear your ambient noise. How you doing good. this morning, buddy? Uh, let me get some well, of the form. Interesting morning. <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of. There's certainly some interesting things that were on the table I was paying attention to this morning. Uh, Roger Sales with you. Uh, give the formalities here, Cody. It might be a new, a new individual out there. Never know. Roger Sales Radio Ranch. We call our get together, and it's on the People's Patriot Network. And we get together a meeting of uh, minds that are curious and looking for answers. We do it, and we have intellectual discussions of very high levels concerning incredible intricacies of the web that our enemies weave. Put it that way. Cody, What uh, what's on your interesting plate this morning? Well, and don't forget to mention, Roger, that if anybody wants to call in, it's preferable on Skype, and you have to type in PPN space hotline. If you just type in PPN and search, you won't find it. You need to put in space. Call as, in, chat as, with us, and hopefully learn something. Uh, well, or ask a question or two. And just as you're saying that and promoting Skype, Chris calls in, and he refuses to load it. So it's uh, <laughs> ironical to uh, me. If they want them, they're going to find them anyway. I don't uh, know how much difference it's going to make. You know, I tried to tell Chris. I tried to tell him. I said, hey, man, they can triangulate you off of three cell phone towers anywhere in the world, and they've been able to do that since the system was set up. So. Well, They'll just cut it. They'll just cut it there one night when he's dancing with his little lady and slap some cups on him. You know. <laughs> well, let's see. I'm still fighting. Now he can't continues to call. Now this is this is how ridiculous this has gotten. He continues to call back, but he has to use another phone because his other phone, for some reason, won't let him get past something they throw up there. All has been forwarded to an automated. And, and, and there's that's what I get. Seven zero two five. Well, I'll get it off there for everybody gets Chris's phone number because he refuses to load Skype. All of this SHIT right here because of that. Okay, so let's see if this will work this time. Uh, have to take away, you know, we got two hours a day, and it's incredible. Well, you got to take time away just to deal with crap like this. It's all the technical stuff I was thinking right before the show. What are the internet gods going to throw us at us in, today with tech problems? You know, it's almost a, a daily situation. Uh, so anyway, Chris, did we get you in there yet? See? Uh, Okay, Cody, what's on your plate while today? On yeah, while I'm I'll working on it. To an automated voice messaging system. I thought it was quite interesting. Seven, zero, two, five, two. Okay, Cody, go ahead. Did I lose you? Okay, now we got... Well, well, now we got clipping and stuff. Let's see if we can get it caught, quieted down in the packet straight, and you can start again, and maybe we can get started. 
Okay. Try again, Cody. Oh, I was just going to mention that it's quite interesting that the uh, little warlords have already set up uh, their perimeters around apparently – I wasn't clear if it was Seattle, the main Seattle uh, City Hall, but they have apparently uh, taken over, I think they said seven city blocks of Seattle, and then apparently a Sheraton Hotel there in Minneapolis as a command center. So it's it's getting to be like Africa, you know. Their warlords are taking over. It's kind of interesting. It's uh, it, it's quite unbelievable, actually. And just right, <laughs> uh, right before the show, uh, uh, one of the tater tots sent me a, a video of some tearing down some statues last night. And I guess this was in Virginia. It looked like the one that I saw they were working on last night over in Saint. Has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Seven zero two five two. Okay. Well, that that's three times we've gotten that this morning. Um, we should see if start start meeting can be used instead of Skype. That's what National Liberty Alliance uses, and it seems like it works pretty well. Um, I don't know if you can tie it into your software, but it, you know, you know, Cody, it, it just get one more piece of software. You got to put out a new phone number. You got it, it. It's just unbelievable to make a transition like that on something as key as our contact point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, we just have to deal with it. It didn't used to be this way. Microsoft has absolutely, totally messed up Skype with a capital F, okay? I mean, in, uh, on, one of my, uh, on one of my computers, you can't even do the copy function. If, if somebody sends you a JPEG or something, you want to copy it, it w- the copy function doesn't even work. Okay. Well, I'm not so sure they're not doing this on purpose. Can they be that inept? Can it be where they're trying like the uh, it's Microsoft elders of Ziner? No, where they want to keep no. you know keep us preoccupied with problems, I, uh, you know, I, I, rather I, I, than solutions. No, I think this is co- corporate ineptness. Well, yeah, it could be. You know, it's um, Bill, Bill Gates has been the master of bugs, and and he thinks we're going to let him design our okay. vaccines. Okay, now I'm going to try Chris again on the number two phone. And if it doesn't merge him in, because I never know whether it's going to work from one day to next, I'll uh, uh, now I'm going to call back his number two phone. Okay, so let's see if we can get Chris this time. You know, I've been begging him. I've literally been begging him for over a year and a half to do this. All right. So uh, let's see here. Um, uh, if if it doesn't call back in on number two, I can't do anything. There's Chris. Okay, Chris, is that you live? It is me on this Okay, well, I've tried to call you back on your main phone and gotten your answering machine three or or maybe four times now. Yep, I had a fatal failure with it yesterday. Sorry about that. Okay, so, uh, all right. Well, we're trying to get the show started, but it's been very difficult to this point. All right, Cody, I'll tell you what else is happening. The the China-India thing is really starting to flare up, and that's got some incredible implications and background to it. Uh, I wanted to talk about that a little bit today. I thought that was going to go away a couple of days ago. But, man, China's got so much pressure on them from every direction, not uh, also internally. Uh, don't forget, you know, China's baggage is a, a machine called an endocentesis machine. Did you know that, Cody? China's baggage. What kind of machine are you talking? 
endocentesis is that little sound machine that they can put on a pregnant woman's baby, a belly, and see if it's a male or a female baby. And if it's a female baby, okay. they abort them. And, and they, they wonder have, why they have a bunch of miserable men that can't find right. women. Right, and, 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 so, we'll and so how not, good that's working. Well, for. well, hold on, it gets worse or better, depending on which way you look at it. It's terrible, obviously. <laughs> uh, but of course, now they impose on top of that little jewel hit in the culture, they impose a one-child policy. So if you well, want boys children. and you can only have one child, gosh, I wonder what's going to happen. Well, and they, now you, they said the other. I, well, let me just finish the scenario, and you okay. can you can paint your own yeah. picture. Now they they've got all this unbelievable lopsided in their culture men to women ratio, and then they start this this industrial revolution. So at least they can put them to work, okay? And now that engine is going, going, and probably dramatically gone from what it has been for the foreseeable future. Now, because of the backlash on China, that's the internal backlash and the big thing they fear is revolution, obviously, with the incredible application of the police state on the thought of people in China. Okay, I mean, I've been looking at a lot of videos and studying a lot of stuff. It's pretty incredible how this Chinese party works. So with the world all of a sudden, so Australia, after the virus, Australia is the first country that bellies up to the bar and says, we, we want a, 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 an impartial, objective investigation, find out about this thing, where it came from, see if we can make sure it doesn't happen again, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they took great umbrage to it and started throwing all of these tariffs and these trade embargoes on Australia because Australia made a fatal mistake. Australia made a fatal mistake. They let China become their number one trading partner. Okay. And they come in and put an almost total embargo on beef. They're going to start an inside China advertising campaign against eating Australian beef. And they put one of the big imports into China, evidently big in the brewing industry, is barley malt, which is a big export, evidently, and grown pretty substantially in Australia. They put an 80% tariff on that. 88 zero. Okay. So Australia, they can sell the beef to us because we need it. We were looking at a meat situation and all that, so it's an immediate outlet to get rid of that. But the barley's another situation. So here is the geopolitical situation that we're going to see it a lot in the future. So you might as well start thinking about it and familiarizing yourself with it. Just to the south, India is this great big old country, I mean of China, called India. It's got an interesting history, interesting culture, very diversified, all that kind of stuff. But they have got all this tech prowess, too. It's just undeveloped. And so what's happening is all these countries are switching the focus to India. They've invited India as, a, as an invitee to the new G8, G10, G12, whatever the hell they're, they're going to call it. But they've invited India and a couple other countries, and they've excluded China. Uh, so all these things are, are, are shaping up really interesting. And about two weeks ago, the, a part of the history of India 
was the fact that they've got three distinct religions there. Okay, you've got the Hindus, you've got the uh, the Muslims, which now split off into Pakistan adjacent. That's why they hate each other, and then you got a third. A religion there that's very predominant that's pretty interesting actually called the sheiks you know much about them cody sheiks i think they yeah sheiks she yeah yeah i think you're right it's sheik not sheik sheik <laughs> with, well, it's with an s and not a c <laughs> <laughs> well there a while back, I think it was Wisconsin, somebody sh- shot up, I think it was a Sikh temple or something. Well, somebody pointed out that the Sikhs actually, you know, they, they were shooting them up like they were Muslim, but apparently the Sikhs were warriors against the Muslim they, invaders in India. They were. There's a very interesting history. They're an old, you know, an interesting religion. One of the requirements of their religion is you got to have a sword or a knife. Always. Oh, even symbolically, you'll see them. They got a, a place there in upper middle India called the Golden Temple, which is their holy shrine, which is this uh, the guy that kind of founded the religion, uh, established, and he gilded a, totally a house out in the middle of this lake with gold. And it's their big religious shrine. It's pretty interesting. It's real beautiful. And you get all these people in there, and everybody's pretty mellow. And, uh, you know, they got to wear a turban. They wear a turban, and they carry a spear or a knife. And, uh, yeah, so it's got a lot of ancient history there. And But the thing was is all three of these religions lived pretty peacefully together for all intents and purposes uh, until the British what? came. And then the British turning it over to the Jews with the East with the East India Company, started pitting each other and, and, and going in and totally just raping the country. They raped India for 200 years. It always intrigued me that Alexander the Great could not conquer India. That was just very interesting. He conquered the known world, but he couldn't conquer India. I thought that was always kind of impressive to me. So what happened was they got this guy named Gandhi. Gandhi comes along last century. He's a, 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 you know, he can be controversial, but you can't nullify his accomplishments, okay? And his his primary plank, of course, a peaceful, nonviolent demonstration and nonviolence. Well, what he wanted to do was to form India with all three religions, okay? Still activating the way it always had before the British got out. Okay, and so the but it was the radical Muslims that came in and assassinated him. A couple of brothers or something. I saw a video with one of them still in jail that was interviewed whenever the film was taken, and he still wasn't remorseful at all. They were very, very these militant type uh, Muslims, and he went out to meditate where he was staying. They've got a memorial to him there in this little garden, and they came up and shot him in the head. You know. Uh, and, and, and then that switched to a guy named Nasser, who kind of took the helm there, but it was these radical uh, Arabs that forced the split into giving them Pakistan. And the, at that point, there oh, okay. was two Pakistans. There was one on the west, which survives today, and there was a small one on the east, uh, separated by India in the middle, East Pakistan and West Pakistan. And East Pakistan is now the country we call Bangladesh. 
All right. Oh, okay. Now, in that split, and this is brings it up to current. In that split where you had to the west on the western border and the adjacent country is Pakistan and they're up on the northern tip which borders India is a contested area called Kashmir. And Kashmir, not just as if this isn't complicated enough, okay? Kashmir is technically owned by the Pakistanis but it's managed and administered by the Indians. And so you got this little bit of area right along the border with China adjacent to uh, Nepal and that area, Tibet, down on the southern thing. This is just to the north-northwest of that, this border that runs kind of northwest. And there's some disputed areas up there called the LOC. And all, it's all along this border with China that this little chess match is acting up right now. And I think what China is trying to do, seeing that all these countries are going to go to India and start outsourcing a bunch of their manufacturing, are trying to go back and poke India. Okay, just as a retaliation to, hey, we got, you know, this is the way China does business. This is the way the Chinese Communist Party does business is they're just like the Jew bullies. Okay, they use those very same bullying tactics. They use the same debt diplomacy to come in and asset strip. They just use it's almost identical methods. All right. So all that is shaping up. It's very interesting to me. Uh, India. The, the more I study it, I, it's, it's fascinating to me, man. And partially because I got to meet an Indian down here, Cody. When I first moved, there was a guy that came and stayed a month from India. One of the sharpest young men I have ever met in my entire life. I'm going to tell you. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, we, he was living in the little adjacent apartment to me there where I was staying in that place for about six months. And, uh, He's a sharp kid. He's 22. He's from southern India. His parents obviously have some kind of wherewithal. He had already had an engineering degree from Oxford University. And uh, we met, and he the very first, you know, and they kind of talk funny English. The Indians do. Oh, okay? it's their accent is one of the worst accents, my God. It, it, but his was pretty good because he'd lived in London for four, while he was in school, you know. And so we introduced, he gave me his name is Ashwin, A-S-H-W-I-N. He's a sharp and a really good kid, too, by the way. But his very first question to me, uh, we shook, hi, how you doing, All right? And his very first question, you, what do you think of JFK? He's a real, real, I mean, JFK is his idol for whatever reasons, you know. And so I had a month, man, to educate him, and he's pretty sharp and picked it up fairly quickly. And I'm telling you, I've turned that kid's world around, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did he teach you about India? What did you learn that you didn't know already about the well, we didn't. Not, he All he wanted to do was talk politics. He didn't want to talk about India. Okay. And, uh, but he did take me, he found us a really good, he said, I'm going to Roger, I'm going to buy you an authentic Indian meal. Cause I like Indian food, you know, curry and all that. 
And he said, yeah. he did his little phone search. He's one of these younger kids that's real adept on a cell phone, you know. And he did his little phone search and stuff. And he goes, well, this is the top-rated Indian restaurant in Quito. And we went up there one Sunday, and it was delightful. And he, he said, he said, yeah, this is totally authentic. So there's a real good Indian restaurant up in Quito, if you, Susanna, ever want to go when you're down here. Oh, if, if you ever get down here again. <laughs> Well, she's kind of turned off by, you know, these Indians because they tend to be so nasty, especially in the United States where you go into all these Indian-owned gas stations. In fact, I was in one yesterday that actually was clean and nice. I couldn't believe it. And I said, is this Indian-owned? He said, yes. And, well, congratulations. Because, I mean, you go into the majority of these Indian-owned or Pakistani, whatever they are, gas stations. I mean, the bathrooms are nasty. They don't care. They're disorder. I mean, it's just—it's ridiculous. It's a cultural. Yeah. Listen, it's—it's it's the cultural differences, and and they hadn't conformed that part of ours, and probably never will. Uh, and you know, these are the things that you got to understand. But it's a really interesting culture. It's an interesting place. Some of the most crowded streets in the world. Uh, but the people yep. there are incredibly friendly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and just uh, it's it's going to become much more predominant in all of our lives as we move forward, and we're going to have to start dealing with a lot of products that come out of that part of the world because you can easily see what's happening and the shift that's coming. Yeah, the I don't know. There's a you know, United States. The culture is just I don't know. I'm kind of. As we've made sales calls on American businesses, it's just interesting how the the quality, you, know, you talk about friendly people, you run into so many people that are not really friendly, not, not humble, you know, don't want to give you the time of day, even though they're in a retail establishment and they should be interested in, you know, the, your product, you know, you know, it's a good looking product, good looking label. And sometimes it's just weird. You know, you go in dressed decent. Sometimes you feel like they treat you like you're dressed like a bum. And you have a product that looks like it's got a label, you know, designed by a high school student. It's just horrible. So many of these Americans, it's terrible. I can't believe my wife was talking to, oh, our guy that owns a farm next to us there in Kentucky yesterday, just coincidentally. And he's he's a real hardworking guy. He works, he runs the water company in the city, but he farms, he has, like four kids has a side business selling vehicles and renting out equipment he's just a really hard-working guy and he just you know he was complaining about how hard it is to get any help nowadays because of all this government stuff has made everybody so lazy and you know and she kind of brought up the point that she couldn't believe how many of these american businesses you go in and they just they don't really treat you like they should you know if they're doing business you know know. when i was young cody younger like your age there was a big, you could used to see it on, you'd see an American flag and you'd see American pride and built in America. Now, America doesn't have right. very much, we don't have very much to be prideful about, honestly, at this point. Hopefully, we turn this corner and get some of these damn communists agitating stupid bastards out of the way. And maybe Trump can make at least a little bit of progress. But at this stage, even though I haven't been there but one time in the last 12 years, I I interact with you guys every day, and that's my life revolves around it. And I would say really that America has lost its pride. The fact that nobody's standing up to these thugs that are tearing down these monuments. Well, it's like all these idiots that are, you know, 
it's one thing, you know, to drink, you know, have a little bit of fun, but these idiots doing methamphetamine and all this, you know, I seen a couple yesterday when I was filling gas and you can just tell by their skin and their mannerisms, they're high on some of that. It's just, it's just so sad that people get that out of shape, especially the women, you know, the women in a cult, you know, tend, you'd think would kind of, you know, the men got the testosterone. You think the women kind of keep everything in check a little bit. And see, you know, all these well, women are out of shape. Well, now. when they're, the, when they're, the they're men are all tattooed up freaks, they're all drugged well, out. It's horrible. They're, they're following know? the men. The men are the ones that got the tattoos. They're the, were the sailors that came or, you know, all that stuff. They followed the men because the men have gone down. It's back to that. Strong men build strong countries. Strong countries yeah. lead to weak men. Weak men lead to weak countries. Weak countries come back to strong men. And that's where we got to have people with yeah. some testosterone on both sides of the gender line that are going to stand up. You girls don't have to have the testosterone, but you need to prompt ours. Yeah. Well, you, well just I mean, that's this what this whole, crap is the, the, the whole damn pro, pro, program here is based around the fact that you can stand up now. You can stand uh, up, get some balls. You don't think that these people recognize it. You're wrong. We had 10 years of history. You're wrong. What's Roger, what's the quote in the Bible? I'm trying to remember that. I know Bradley Dean always is quoting. It talks about, you know, God blesses those who stand up, who take the fight. Everybody's, oh, I'm going to be raptured. I'm going to be the baloney. You have to fight. And the Bible says, I will bless those. I think that fight for me. I don't. I don't remember where it's no, at. I need we, to find well, it. We got. Just, well, I can tell you what. Brent's coming on tomorrow. You can call in and ask him. He'll there be you able go. to pinpoint there it. There you go. But, uh, uh, but, but I do know that that we see. You never knew you had a choice before. You never knew that statement. All U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. All you got to do is declare which one you want to be. I'm not going to tell you which one to be. That's got to be you following your heart. Okay. Yeah. But but if you're if you're letting fear stand in your way, I would tell you again, in over 10 years of being on the air, having this book out there and t- helping people with this over 20, you know, when I took me a few years to get my arms around it with the information we had at that time, but right. always teaching people what, what we knew from the start, you know, and, um, it, 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 it Boom, here we are right here. We got the answers. You got something you can show people easily and explain it to them. But the problem comes in in their demoralization and their conditioning to the point where they've still got that big banner, F-E-A-R, in front of them. Oh, I couldn't do it. I'd have to change the way I do business. I'd have to do, oh, no, I couldn't for whatever reason. Okay, and I never force people. Never. Not once, ever. Roger, what's your opinion on, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they should just legalize drugs so we don't have this war on drugs. But when you see these people that are so messed out on these hard drugs, it's kind of hard to think that way. What's your opinion on that? I think they need to go heavy after the damn people that are bringing it in. You're not going to stop it. You're you're going to have to go in and change the culture to, 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 to alter the demand side. See? Yeah. You got to go in and make, cut the supply. Make, and I was saying, was it better just to make it legal and people that are going to be stupid well, kill themselves just like alcohol? They, well, you know, they just abort themselves and be done with well, it. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you with the deficits we're running, the way we're moving, it's going to easily go into the tax realm. I saw the other day that they were going to legalize marijuana in New York City because of the taxes it could bring in. 
And that's going to be what's going to drive these people uh, uh, to, to do things like that. Now, you know, here's the problem, Cody. One of the big problems is we don't have anything but a government, uh, a safety net underneath us anymore. And you see, it didn't used to be that way. There was a whole social network of private-funded organizations, churches, and different organizations that were the safety net back before Roosevelt. Roosevelt intentionally undid them and started building the government safety net through the administrative state so you can go suck on the government tit now. How did people accept that, though? Was that because well, it's of gradual. They've ex- well, they've accepted it like, already. all right, let me use it. They've accepted it like they've accepted tearing damn statues down. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I tell you, Cody, this isn't, you know, you keep, and I'm not picking on you, okay? I'm trying to use these as examples, all right? But you're always, oh, let's get this group to do that and this group to do that. It ain't going to happen. Though what's going to happen is individuals have got to stand up, become free. The other people have got to see that they're an example they want to follow and that they're not falling in any ditches, and then you're going to draw people. You can't reach out and touch them. That's the way black power operates. That's the way the IRS and the agencies operate. That's the only way they can operate. They make these rules, and then they got a hand that reaches out, and it grabs you. Right where it hurts. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. You know, well, what, you, good- you know what you got when you got one green ball in the left hand and one green ball in your right hand, Cody? Two green balls. <laughs> you got the jolly <laughs> green know. giant. You got the jolly green giant right where you want him. Now, you okay. may be too young to remember the jolly green giant. <laughs> I don't know. A little bit. Well, that's where they got you. Critical. And I mean, you know, then let's take it back to your pet subject. Why is all this happening? Because we got a dishonest monetary system. Well, let me read. Let me read this. Take a little breather, and I'll read uh, First John three. Dear dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one that does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one that does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And it it goes on. But that's where they always talk about, you know, he is of the devil. And it goes on to talk about, you know, don't be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And, uh, you know, so people, I don't know, people just, you know, they don't want to believe that that there's, there's evil out there and everything's good. Oh, life is good. Yeah. Uh, right. That's one thing that has really struck me that I didn't realize, honestly, quite frankly, about the the Muslim religion, the Arabs. The yeah. way their culture is structured with whoever's in, in charge having access to the harem and a number of different wives, quote-unquote, to breed, and all of a sudden you get a whole bunch of brothers from different mothers who are all competing for the top office. Okay. You know what was what's well, interesting? Well, hold, well, hold on. Let me let me finish. Arab, oh, Cody, uh, guys, you never let me finish, like Saudi man. Saudi Aramco, and they are some big boys. So you can imagine that the reason is, is they, you know, there was probably some big men that were able to well, strong arm their way. Well, let, you know, let me finish. Bread. The problem, it's all right, and it it works probably with some political friction. Uh, and you can imagine a couple of these women that have got have, had children by this ruler, and they see when he's going to die. If they're 
child gets the seat, they're the, they're the ruler. Okay? Mm-hmm. So now when he dies, and you've had instances over there where they had as many, I think the, one, the thing that really changed it, there was one of these incidents where they had, what, 15, 30 brothers, something? And one guy went in, killed them all in one night, wrapped them up in blankets, and dumped their, their bodies outside the palace gates. And that's what put a stop to that in that culture, at least somehow. You know, put a big a big hitch in its giddy-up. But what do you say about a culture where brothers are pitted against brothers at the top from the start to the point of death? That's unusual. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just something that hit me as I've been learning a lot of this stuff. Well, there was an unusual heart attack, they said, of a 50-some-year-old yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. guy in Africa. President of Burundi or something, right. or king or whatever he was. Right. Might have been and, coronavirus. Uh, I saw the headline. Hey, Samuel, you well, joined got- us. We hadn't even ha- hardly said hello to Chris because I've been running my mouth like I <laughs> took an X-lax and hiccup this morning, got diarrhea of the mouth. Hey, Samuel. Hi. Now, I could take over for you for a little while. You, you started this, so I'm still... Uh, focused on uh, Van Volkenberg and that case, which brought me to that original intent um, site. I think you should really look at that, Roger, and uh, see if you can give it your blessing, because I think it's right on par with us. The only thing they don't have there is your solution. All right, well, I'll but tell you what, what. All right, it's uh, intent, in, what? Original, original intent. Originalintent.org. Okay. Yep, dot .org. All right, I'll try and remember from, to look at uh, it. If you'd really, Samuel, if you'd really like for me to look at it, now that you got you and I are connected through email, why don't you shoot me the link yep. in an email? Okay, I'll see if I can do that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty lame when it comes to that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, I'll well, try. I'll try and remember it then. <laughs> okay. Let me read from this uh, a few paragraphs, okay? The Civil Rights Act of 1866, this is a quote in parentheses here, all persons born in the United States and not subject to any foreign power, excluding Indians not taxed, are hereby declared to be lowercase citizens of the United States. And such lowercase citizens of every race and color shall have the same right in every state and territory of the United States to the full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings from the security of persons and property as enjoyed by white citizens. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Perfect. Please please note that when the drafters of this bill meant to indicate a citizen, uppercase, they clearly used the word citizen lowercase. Mm-hmm. However, when defining who the act applies to the drafters, the, the act applies to, the drafters used the word person. As they used both words within the same paragraph, it is obvious that the drafters were keenly aware of the distinction. Clearly, congressional intent was to provide non-citizens with the same fundamental rights as de de jure state citizens who in that day were exclusively white. This intent was further clarified by President Johnson's speech when he vetoed that bill. President Johnson made the statement as part of his made this statement as part of his speech. Parentheses, quote, it, the Civil Rights Bill of 1866, comprehends 
the Chinese of the Pacific states, Indians subject to tax, uh, not tax. taxation. Indians subject to taxation. Oh, like, like Indians from India. So, yep, the people called gypsies, as well as the entire race designated as blacks, persons of color, Negroes, mulattoes, and persons of African blood, every individual of those race, races born in the United States is made a citizen thereof, lowercase. Once again, it can clearly be seen the intent of the act was to embrace persons as defined in the Dred Scott case but in no way was intended to address or alter the relationship of the de jure white citizen to the state of birth or domicile. Yeah, and it was actually... Oh, go, go ahead, I'm sorry. In the case of United States versus Otherson, the U.S. Supreme Court found it necessary to review the historical foundations of the Enforcement Act. The court found that Senator Stewart who had sponsored the Enforcement Act legislation, had made the following remarks regarding the act's intent. Stewart noted that the bill simply extends to foreigners, not citizens, the protections of our laws. He also added that the bill extends the equal protection of laws to aliens so that all persons who are in the United States shall have the equal protection of our laws. These realities were not lost upon the various courts that were later called upon to make determinations to the intent of the various civil rights acts of the 14th Amendment. In Van Volkenberg versus Brown, the court made the following statement. No white person born within the limits of the United States and subject to their jurisdiction owes his status of uppercase citizenship to the recent amendments of the federal constitution. I'll leave it off there. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, I'm glad that case came to my mind the other day and we got it on the table to discuss. It's very interesting from a number of different standpoints. Of course, coincides with everything. I like the interesting fact in the Civil Rights Act that it specifically states Indians not taxed. There's the exclusion in Elk v. Wilkins, okay? And, yeah, uh, and they bring that case up in here, too. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Daryl. Daryl's joined us as co-pilot here. He's a real pilot, but he's a co-pilot here. Hey, bro. Hey, good morning. Good morning. There's there's so many uh, so many guys on. Hey, everybody. So uh, I just want to I just want to give a little shout out to Samuel there. I I have gone through that website and uh, for what it's worth, it has my blessing. Uh, yeah, the, I, I thank you. Thank you. The, you got a delivery? Yeah, you got a the delivery? citizenship. Uh, there was a beep. I yeah, yeah somebody delivery. probably pulled. Yeah. Yeah. It's my it's my driveway alarm because I'm 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 deaf from <laughs> listening to uh, jet engines. But uh, uh, yeah, so uh, I really I really like this uh, original intent dot uh, org site. A, they uh, they document, they correlate, and uh, they provide links. And uh, I, I don't find anything contradictory here. Uh, the inter- you know, I, I actually printed out that whole section uh, so I can read it on, in my on paper. And uh, the uh, the the point you just made about the Indians, okay, well, 
they no sooner have to pay tax than than you do. <laughs> yeah, right. If if you if you get it, okay. Well, you know, if you if you actually get off the dime, and uh, uh, but uh, so th- there's more evidence. But you know, of course, as Nixon said, nobody will believe this until somebody on national TV says it. Okay. You know what? But I anyway, had somebody uh, tell. I had a guy in Argentina that I became. I, I used to call him Big Boss Man, the guy that's kind of one of the center guys, all the expat that group down there. And I was trying to explain this, and he's one of those people. He just wasn't, he wasn't, you know, no, Roger, there couldn't have been a bankruptcy because there's no international bankruptcy court to take the case to. That was one thing. But the other one, at the end of this contentious discussion, and we've all had them with different individuals, he said, I'll believe what you're telling me when I see it in the headlines of the New York Times. <laughs> he told me that. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, if I if I might uh, indulge Darryl, myself Darryl here a little question. bit, Daryl, I have a question on that. Yes, side. Did you read their their mission statement, their policy statement, and their acknowledgments? I, uh, I I haven't done that yet. I just sort of clicked through a couple different spots, but uh, no, I haven't. Uh, this I, is particularly for Roger. I want to read their acknowledgments so that Roger will he fits right in here. While this site is a product of a, uh, is the product of original intent, there are literally thousands of people, if not tens of thousands, who have contributed to this information database of the modern patriot movement. The earliest patriot in modern memory cropped up about 1952. The movement has been growing ever since, and the research of the last 50 years has essentially been condensed into the legal positions contained within this site. Original Intent wishes to acknowledge all of those who fight for liberty today, as well as those who have come before us, many of uh, those paying dearly for the lessons that have been passed on us today. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I I saw the documentary the other day floating around. I think you sent it out too, Daryl, on uh, Gordon Call back it was made some years ago yeah uh and some of the people like that and i you know i i try and get it across on the air to you guys because a lot of you folks hadn't been in this long time uh man if you could look over your shoulder and see the 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 divorces the ruined families the failed businesses the ruined lives the suicides uh, just the people that i've heard about or or knew you know it's it's sad what these people have done i'm telling you boy if they the tax thing is going to become much more important in the future all right it, it's kind of subsided but it's going to yeah. be back and it's going to be back with a vengeance i wanted to say in this discussion on what you read us and I'm having a hard time getting this site to come up. I've been having that lately for some reason. It, you know, I had it with another one the other day, and somebody ended, it just won't come up for me. Uh, but um, I wanted to go back as you were reading, and I was thinking, Samuel, do you think these guys, you've looked over this site, do you think he knows the uh, the true legal concept behind the word person? I mean, it's such a critical word, oh, man. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. I, I just, I can't stress, especially if you are new out there to this, to go back and the, on you, you can go back over to YouTube and put in the science of law. And there's a three hour, uh, a three hour uh, program there 
going over those basics. I can't stress how important as I look back and be able to gauge my success, uh, you know, and the things that I have been able to accomplish and understand and put together, it's all because I mastered that formula and how the, the, it interacts and how the particularly revolves around the word person as it interacts with that formula. It just, and, and the thing I would say, honestly, is if you'll take the time to learn it, it's going to take a little time. You're going to have to think about it. Some of the concepts are new. You've never looked at stuff like this before. Okay. But I will tell you this, this is the, this is the, what you put in that makes it worthwhile. If you'll put that time in to get that understanding of how that works, they can never fool you again. Never. Yeah. This is truly my sanity. And these two hours every day, very important to me, Roger. Like the other day, CNN said sex is going to be safer if you're wearing a mask. That was our headline. <laughs> and, and now they're, going to, they're calling the Bible a hate document, so they want to ban the Bible. It's like my crazy neighbor. He, they, hate, they hate anything religious, and uh, we're talking about the law. And I said, where do you think the damn law came from? <laughs> I mean... People just don't have a clue. No, they don't. Know? And that's why it leads back to what Cody opened up with talking about that. I said, there's very little pride left in America anymore. I mean, really, what do you got to be proud about? Yes. I mean, fortunately for people like us and people like Daryl, I mean, I'm sure the, sh- he, uh, the shoddiness hadn't crept in out there to his motorcycle shop and he's putting out shoddy material anymore, but he's not the average guy that's working in the debt monetary system with no future that he can see and a pile of debts already behind him, weighting him down. And he, they are absolutely demoralized, desperate, and in many cases, suicidal. The suicide rate is just jumping through the chart the ceiling up there. And my dad used to say, if you can't do it right, don't do it at all. And he meant it. Well, yeah. And my father used to say anything worth doing. My dad had the opposite, Samuel. Anything worth doing is worth doing well. Same thing. Go ahead, Daryl. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, my input on that was if you don't have time to do it right, you don't have time to do it over. And uh, the... uh, in, in my my line of work, I can't uh, I can't be spending all my time dealing with my screw ups after I've sent somebody parts and they don't fit. Are you kidding? Uh, this guy's got five or ten grand in his front, just the front end of his bike, and the parts don't fit. Are you kidding? Really? Uh, so uh, that that never happens. By the way, it never ever ever happens. And nothing leaves here that I wouldn't put on my own bikes, okay? And that's just the way it is. I don't share information with anybody in conversation or on here that I wouldn't put in my own head, all right? And and uh, I've come to a conclusion some time ago, actually, uh, uh, actually even before I came in, involved with this information, and was that uh, – uh, and I've said it to different people, and I'm not referring to you guys when I say this, but I, I would look at them and say, I'm not like you, okay, and leave it at that. You and I are not the same. And uh, uh, because you, you, you talk like a slave. People talk in slave speech. There's a whole, there's a whole grammar and, and 
body position and, and demeanor when you're a slave and uh, a slave of the mind. So there's, there's, there's people out here that you're trying to communicate to that are not like you, okay? And, uh, you know, you kind of have to be a Hoover Hoover vacuum cleaner salesman a little bit here and get some thick skin and just move on, you know. Uh, dust Knock the dust from your feet. Um, part of, part of the, the language you were looking for out of the Bible, Cody, was uh, uh, women that have lost their natural affection. Okay, uh, this this is consistent out of Jude with um, when the Lord's talking. They uh, they have left their, the angels, the fallen. They had left their first estate, and and to some degree, you could that's a that's a parallel to uh, what we're supposed to be in here and our duties, our rights, but our duties associated with the role of the family and and. Uh, 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 I, I just I'm kind of on a, a rant here a little bit, but listen, this country has never been the country you thought it was, Cody. It ain't never been the romantic, nostalgic idea of what you thought it was. This country was ruined uh, morally uh, because of World War II. The men that came back from there were so traumatized uh, that their offspring, their progeny were the ones that were co-opted into the wave of ideological destruction you okay know, where does this come from it comes comes out of uh, my generation and roger's generation okay how wrong am i yeah. on this roger my, no you're right in, in, in world, my understanding is in world war one they had a very very hard time getting the men to to kill they just couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, they did. They went they in and a, redid the training programs to recondition yep. them to be able yeah, to shoot people. That's that's very true. Um, you know what, you, you Cody, you like to take it back to the Bible. Look, look at it this way: when Moses went up on Mount, it wasn't Mount Ararat; it was uh, uh, Sinai. Went to get the Ten Commandments, and he came back down. What did he find? Debauchery. Oh, As Cody party, left us, did Cody, on, dude. Co- Cody might have darted out. I hope he's listening. <laughs> well, what he found was the Israelites that were worshiping the golden calf. And if you wanted to take that and put it into a current context and take the golden calf and identify it as materialism, all these things that you want to buy that you don't have money for to impress people that you don't like, Okay, and that chase of the golden calf was the chase of materialism. It was born out of we went through the depression. They extended it longer to be able to get the conditioning and the bases built. We come out of it with World War Two. Now, after World War Two, you've got all of this excess capacity for making war machinery and they turn it into into consumer goods. Washing machines, all the ages of convenience, you know, vacuum cleaners, etc. The money's still worth something, so dad could still work and support, buy the house for eight thousand dollars, probably in those days, yeah. uh, and, and still have the yeah. car, and the the wife could have the appliances, and everybody got sucked right on the golden tit of that golden calf. Okay. Yeah. Roger, well, that it, listen, would appear, uh, it would appear that that website is um, done uh, put up by Californians because they um, they notice a lot of the California law in there, and and then 
they tell you that if you're outside a certain area, like for jury summons and stuff like that, you're going to have to look up your own deal. They also made the statement that some states have more than one constitution, like California has two, and they say that you need to use, as a state citizen, the original 1849 one. I don't know if you would concur with that. No, I would. Um, Let me put an if in there. There's a qualifier. I'd say you can use that if you filed your affidavit. If you haven't filed your affidavit, you're still a serf. But you're claiming all these rights that you don't have access to. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, and they also said that our, I, it was sort of interesting. Yeah. Arkansas has like eight constitutions. <laughs> I guess that uh, maybe Bill changed one of them too. I don't know. Well, don't forget one of the Rockefellers <laughs> was the governor up there for a while. <laughs> yeah. The, Quite uh, funny. The, uh, if we go back to uh, what uh, Cody was talking about a little bit too, with the and uh, it's also – uh, in the citizenship brief off the website Sam is talking about, they have uh, they bring up uh, Johnson, uh, President Johnson, who assumed presidency after uh, Lincoln was assassinated. But uh, it's true that Johnson did veto. But uh, to give and this this um, the citizenship briefing here doesn't doesn't go into that. But the the continued history on Johnson is after he had vetoed it, he said that his office and this Constitution didn't provide for what they were trying to do. And he, in, in all good conscience, he couldn't go along with it, and he vetoed it. And immediately uh, and subsequently thereafter, articles of impeachment were drawn on uh, President Johnson. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't pass. Yeah, they and, didn't pass by just a vote or two, right? Is my history right on that? Do you know? Yeah, I think one vote. Yeah, of course. It, and and it was a it was a rump Congress to boot. So I mean, uh, you know, uh, was it was it ratified? I don't know. Can how do you how do you ratify when something? You're, when you're a de facto Congress, you do know, you, do, uh, we, do we know anything? So, do we know anything about those charges for impeachment, the grounds they were brought on or any of that? Yeah, yeah I do. I do. And uh, I'd have to, to to talk about it coherently. I'd have yeah, to I'd really have to review the section. Yeah. Uh, this this actually uh, the guy that did the detailed and deep research on this is L. Uh, be Bork and his book, The Red Amendment, uh-huh. and it was actual is his man. He has a, it's it's extremely well written yeah, and uh, detailed detailed information. But uh, this is the only place, uh, other than uh, Michael Gaddy, that I've ever had anybody actually bring out uh, Johnson and his opposition to the Fourteenth Amendment. And uh, and the consequences that he had to endure, uh, and and what they did to uh, pass it. So, it was a it was a a, a premonition of the skullduggery and and bamboozlement that goes on with the um, uh, Federal Reserve Act and the uh, uh, the uh, Internal Revenue Act. So and uh, so on and so forth. So this this uh, this usurpation. And conversion has been going on uh, for a long time, and and the Fourteenth Amendment, Amendment is particularly uh, a good example of of how they performed it. So, uh, 
the the interesting thing, and this has been brought out years ago here, but we haven't really talked brought dug this back up again. But years ago, we said, you know, the Civil War. Well, okay, I said this. I said, well, the Civil War was fought to bring in the civil rights. And the and civil I, law. I, I, the I, ci- I, no, you said yeah, the civil, civil law. law, not the civil rights. Yeah. Even more accurate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. And and well, thank you. And uh, so uh, it it dawned on me, and and the irony of it wasn't lost on me. I go, isn't that amazing? All those all those northern boys and men, they they fought and died so that they could enslave themselves. Because see, they 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 imposed that on the northern states as well. Yeah, Longstreet so, and, 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 and Lee and those guys discussed what they were up against, and they said, you know, the North is just fighting for the status quo. We're fighting for our way of life. Yep. And the sad part is, is they probably would have prevailed if Judah Benjamin would not been in the inner court of the Confederacy. Yeah. I mean, it's like well, the guy that shot yeah. his last arrow and hit 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 the king, you know. Over William the Conqueror's guys, it's King one of those. Richard the Lionheart. Uh, uh, those King unbe- Richard the Lionheart. Yeah. Un- unbelievable little facts of history that the world today turns on. Yeah, you got to sort of say that's God's hand, well, almost. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have another. Well, uh, I don't have another explanation that settles with me, Samuel. Well, there was something else that was brought up earlier in the show. Uh, and uh, I think you used the word demoralization, uh, Roger, and then talking about the suicides. Yeah, you and Cody were talking about the drug situation. But uh, the first thing, if there's there's a sequence here. Uh, first, you immoralize the people, then you demoralize right. them. And uh, immoralization uh, is this is this energy that comes out. It's provided by the uh, by the, those people uh, that wear small hats, and uh, this this was, uh, you know, pornography and uh, music and uh, drugs, and this was uh, fostered and facilitated and subsidized, and it immoralized the people. And uh, you know, you had pinup calendars, and then you had, uh, you know. Playboy and all. You say, well, that's very benign stuff. Well, you know, according to today's standards, it's very, but it was a big deal then it because sure was, that, yeah. that never would have happened. Right. That never would have happened in 19, in the, in the teens, in the twenties. Uh, well, maybe, maybe it was, you know, in different places in the twenties and the cosmopolitan settings, but, you know, peep shows and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it became ubiquitous and they immoralized the whole country they and then they demoralized it, and then they brought in uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll through the sixties, and that, that was it. Um, that so you, you read something about alienating a woman's affection, and something you were reading was it out out of the Bible a few minutes ago? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. You, there was uh, an exact the, phrase uh, that I, I you might used be. that that came out yeah. of that that I was that caught my ear. Yeah, it's uh, is that women women will women will lose their natural affection. Okay, that that was it. Natural and, affection. And, now, is that a, yeah, is so, that the difference between being in a 
a, a marital type situation with natural sexuality and the absolute overt promiscuity that we and debauchery that we see today. Is that that the, our well, natural affection? Is that what it's talking about? That difference. Well, because they, I, I take it to mean that they will. I, I take it to mean it's a good question. Uh, I, I I could see where you could apply that to that part of scripture, but I, I take it as with the evidence that we have is that they they have lost so lost their natural affection that they will murder their own child. Okay. Well, that's okay. another certainly another so, facet of it. Okay. Um, and that yeah. came up yesterday in the abortion uh, issue. And on, if you ever get in one, like you had that confrontation with the a discussion with the abortion lady the other day, why don't you ask him, does a woman's right to choose, does that mean that you can just walk down the street and pick out whoever you want and murder them? I mean, now they're letting them murder the babies after <laughs> they're out of the process. Does that mean that she at any time well, can just go murder anybody she wants? Is that your right to choose? Maybe if you live in Portland or Seattle, maybe or same. God, we hadn't even talked about that debauchery in Seattle yet. Capitol yeah. Hill well, is the uh, area. Capitol Hill is the area, and there's a police station in it, and it's about seven blocks. I saw something on Tucker about it last night there at the end, and. Uh, uh, nobody there. No, you know, the reporters out there on the edge, the perimeter of the quote unquote new city. And there's somebody trying to screen a protester. I don't know if any of y'all saw this segment last night. And this guy in a real colorful shirt. I really liked his shirt. Uh, is one of these guys, and he's like, who do you work for? Who do you work for? And he's screaming at the reporter. And now let's Patrick. Okay, I had this problem yesterday. All right. Patrick's trying to call in. I think he's calling in on his phone, which means I got to stop everything and I try and find his profile. And there's about four of them, and I can't find which one. You guys, somebody talk. Yeah. So uh, this uh, this uh, this. Uh, Article that uh, Samuel's brought up. Uh, it's it's probably one of the most uh, coherent uh, descriptions I've seen, other than Roger's book about your relationship to and the different classes of citizens. And there's only 12 pages on that particular topic, so I uh, it, it'd be a great review. And uh, it uh, it talks about the relationship between. Uh, the uh, your relationship with the federal government, and it also gives sites and cases for uh, uh, a lot of the uh, lawsuits that we talk about here. Or yeah, so they have they have uh, they actually have a few extra ones that uh, I haven't seen before, which will be interesting. And uh, how did you come across this, Samuel? Oh, uh, when Roger brought up Van Volkenberg case. That was one of the sites containing the case. That's all I got there. Oh, okay. Well, um, see, there's a lot of us out the, here, uh, and what hadn't happened is they don't understand that you can get out of it easily. Their understanding of getting out of this has always led to problems because they always insist on fighting it from the bottom up. 
That's what's been missing, from what I can tell. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, well, I finally got uh, you on. I tried yesterday. You called right at the end of the show. In, in, in that citizenship thing area, Roger, yourself, get be in there, be part of it, because that's what they're missing. They're missing the simplicity of your 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 uh, um, way of uh, getting a. Some, they uh, don't. Let, let's put it another way. They don't have the understanding of the simplicity with which the system is structured. And they have not put together that the reason it's so damn complex is to not only fool you, but to keep you from the answer because the answer is such an easily executed remedy. One, one thing about what's on that site is they don't have uh, people... Uh, that are the the creators of it. I I don't know why, but th- that seems sort of strange. Um, unless it's just these tens of thousands or thousands of people, and it's just one big conglomeration. But the writing is is simple and clear. It's very easy to understand. They do a very good job. They they make that in their statement that that is their intent is. To make it understandable. So that's same the same intent. That. You know, it's the what I've been striving for for years, man. I mean, I really fought this yeah. simplifying oh. this for men almost thirty years. I got to remind you guys. I used to give the bottom up presentation, which took three hours of your time every Wednesday night. Okay, almost we take one break in between, but three hours of all this basic understanding so I could point you to the 26 CFR 1.1-1A and you'd understand what the term non-resident alien meant. Three hours to get people to that point. Okay. Hey, Patrick, where you been, man? I want to One find out about that. They use some nice analogies to get points across where people thinking is not it maybe in that margin of where they're trying to speak. They, they'll put in an analogy like the, the, the World War II veteran, uh, try to tell him he's not a, uh, a citizen. So they sort of like open it to get you pulled into, well, okay, well, what are you talking about here, right? And then they lead you in. So it's, it's interesting approach well it's just like lee you know and the analogy is so accurate if you want to go out there and catch wild whatevers pigs horses you go out and it takes time you start feeding them there's your there's your uh golden calf of materialism you start feeding them okay and then you put up one wall and then you keep feeding them in a couple of weeks later or days later, whatever you put up another one, you go through that process. You got the gate open and they come in and you spring the gate and they're trapped. That's exactly what they've used. You go, go back to the triangle, first a line, then another line, then a square 14th amendment, federal reserve act, hiding the original status. That was the trap door that shut you in. And hiding the gold. Um, and it's what and I was invisible. <laughs> on top of it. Somebody, <laughs> somebody said that Patrick. 
Patrick, we're trying to get to Patrick here. We tried yesterday and we couldn't get him, and we got him today. Hey, man. Hey. Somebody was mentioning earlier about blessings. If you go over to Deuteronomy and read 27, 28, that's your uh, cursings and your blessings, uh, how Israel's supposed to live their life, and it's held true in my life. Uh, as far as the drugs y'all were talking about early on, I had been listening for 30 minutes. So all your dope's coming in from the CIA. It's been spread across the world to the gangs and everywhere else. And exactly what I thought. The sure thing we've been protecting for the past 50, 60 years is, or longer than that is the uh, opium trade. We, we've defended it uh, to the tens, Afghanistan fields. I got buddies that there's 10 buttons in Dallas. They get the coordinates. All 10 push the button. They don't know which one shot the missile. Because they might hit civilians or they know they're going to, but they're protecting the poppy plants from coordinates coming across the uh, radio waves to where to hit. Same thing with uh, oil. Those are the two big key factors of why our sons, our Chavez Goy race traders, go out there and unknowingly die for what they call liberty. And it's just Pat- not the Patrick, case. Patrick, did, you, but, did uh, you hear that Dr. The, Buttar um, statement on? Well, he's talking about coronavirus, but within the meat of that, he was he he knew and was in the uh, the war there, um, Afghanistan or not Afghanistan, um, Iraq and uh, Kuwait. He, uh, he said and he used the name of the Marine. Yes, he did. Yes, he, he did. Sixteen Humvees, and he used the guy's name that set all the wellheads on fire. Yeah, there was a there. They had a they had a team. He did give the name. He not only gave his name. He gave his hometown. You remember what his hometown was? I don't remember that. Columbia, Columbia, South Carolina. And he said he took, there was 12 men. There was 12 men. They put two men in each of the the vehicles, whether they're Jeeps or whatever. And they went out and each one of them hit a well. And he he came back and told Batar that and Batar relayed all that information. I know that's hearsay, but I'd say it's pretty damn reliable hearsay. Yeah. Yeah. My father was in the Army Security Agency, which is the CIA of the Army. He told me, he said, you know, the Statue of Liberty wears a red and black glove. If somebody gets poked with a cane in London, we make it happen. We buy our lovers and we run this effing world. Don't ever forget it. We're the most wickedest country in the world. That's right. And it's true. It's true. We're we're, we're being run by the Esau Edomite. And they control all this stuff. They've been controlling it since the beginning of time. And uh, in the end game, they lose. You can go over there and read in Revelation about the beheading of the saints coming with the guillotine, the no-head laws, and uh, it'll be here, I think, I would think two or three generations, but it very well could happen. This thing's going so well for them. You know, a day's a thousand years in our Creator's eyes. I don't. to be 82. It's about a second. I don't think things are going Um, well for them at all. I don't think things are going well for them at all. I totally disagree with that. I mean, on the surface, it looks like it, but underneath, there's a giant groundswell coming. Let me welcome Bob. Bob joined us, they too. We got a nice, yep, nice war. Well, that, that, yes, they did, okay? And uh, there's going to be dramatic repercussions, but the repercussions may just be on them. Uh, Bob, what's on your mind today, bro? Bob? Bob, 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 Bob. Is that Bob hello, with two Bs? There he is, there he is. I had to get I had to get the mute off. I had some radio traffic, and I turned it, turned it on, and then I forgot. Um, 
just an observation on your very latest comment to Patrick as far as how it's going or not going. Um, anybody who has herded livestock knows that until you can make them move one direction or another, you ain't herding. So my point is, be careful. It doesn't seem to be going for them, but just getting a bunch of dumb sheep stampeding any direction beats having them set still because then you can at least make them move and, and control the motion, control the motion even or, or manipulate it. I agree with you, but it makes me nervous. The dynamic situation is a lot easier to make things go badly than just trying to keep incrementally moving, well, the, moving the chains. Be- what I was actually calling about was triggered by what you were saying. You may recall, oh, what, two months ago I was talking to Brent on air here about Nimrod being talked about as a great hunter. Yes. And and I likened it to, instead of being a hunter, and I'll, I'll freely confess, even claim, I'm getting this from Brother Gregory Williams, and I like his interpretation. Probably biases my thinking, because I can agree with him. <laughs> but anyway, the idea that how is, how is the best way to hunt? to provide, you know, to put out bait, yep. provisions. And once you get them acclimated to that, you just close the door. Well, that's exactly what we're looking at, and that's what you were alluding to. How's the best way to get people to sign up? Well, give them something. And they'll well, sign up without thinking about wow. the fact that to him who gets the privilege, you owe the duty. Well, I mean, I'll give you the best example. It comes right at the front of my mind. It's the way they got driver's licenses uh, uh uh, instituted yep, yep. and started is by giving you a discount off your insurance if you had one. Yep. And nobody back then saw it as a big thing. It was just the savings. I mean, here's an analogy that's not perfect, but it, it's one I 20 years ago. Walmart comes into town, and I'm telling my wife and I'm telling everybody I can say, you know, they're they're not your friend. They're cheap. They're available. It's close. It's easy because it's all under one roof. But in twenty years, you're going to regret this. Yep. Well, yep. where are we now? You know, same yep. deal. Same yep. deal. It's when it came to level, a, lot small, a lot of small towns fought Walmart, but they had their agents in there. That's right. And they set up that nice, nice little thing where you get to speak for two minutes or whatever. And then they, uh, they, they, they totally changed public opinion. They sure did. They went in and bribed local Del officials, well, too. Well, not only that, you know, you're saying Del a lot of little fight. towns resisted. Well, some little towns did, but it wasn't because everybody was smart, because a lot of the people were resistant, but the city council's voting them damn tax breaks just to come in. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so anyway, by the way, here's a new, new, this may be, uh, this, this is going to develop into something that appears new headline, the autonomous zone, Capitol Hill area out in Seattle has now become a heavily armed war, uh, heavily armed warlord the governor and i don't know if y'all saw this on they had a clip of him on tucker last night being confronted by somebody in a press conference about what's going on and he said i don't know anything about it 
Of course you don't. Well, here, you know, one thing that's going to happen, I don't know, like if the Republican, how they're playing this and why more people aren't standing up, and it seems to be with all of the chaos happening mostly in all these democratically held states, that they're just letting them make asses out of themselves. The Schultz defense has been a fallback position for many of these uh, pretend conservatives and so-called leaders. In fact, Rob the Rat Rosenstein uh, pointed to ad infinitum in his so-called appearance before the House subcommittee recently. Well, it's I interesting. Know nothing. Is, well, there's, you got you got four and a half months. They probably I don't know if they've got anything in reserve, but they're going to throw everything at, at, at before the election at us that they can throw. If you hadn't come to that conclusion already, oh. <laughs> what does uh, what does Sun Tzu have to say about what they're doing? What does what does Mister Sun Tzu? Uh, actually, he was about three thousand years. Uh, he's about 5,000 years ago. <laughs> but, uh, I thought about him earlier. Uh, he, he, said, uh, he said, when your enemy is making mistakes, don't stop him. Don't. <laughs> don't, 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 don't help him when he's making mistakes. Well, I, I would suggest to you that they're making mistakes. Well, I'll give you a and, statistic. Uh, I'll give you a statistic that rises above suggestion. I'll give you a statistic that proves it. Trump's black support has gone up 40%. Yeah. Well, Latinos are switching over. Latinos are changing and switching over, too, by the way. Yeah, that's important. Black candidate in the very end. I say Biden will jump to the side and put a black person in. And 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 you know, by the headline this morning, I didn't read the story because it's sickening. From the start, Biden says that he's afraid Trump's going to try and steal the election. (laughs) Hot meat kettle. Hot meat kettle. Yeah. Wow. Uh, God, that's good. Unbelievable, huh? Was he in blackface when he said it? I don't know. I just read the headline. I know he was in his basement. <laughs> he's, he's basement confined. They don't want to let him out. They said it on a conference call. They had a copy of the conference call on Tucker last night on Zoom with about 30 people on it because you could see their little picture of everybody that was attending. And the main strategist has said, Biden does better in the basement. <laughs> Something to that effect. He admitted it right in front of everybody on the call. Unbelievable. They ain't got anybody to run for. Unbelievable. Well, now the, hey, listen, the question's not, is Biden running? The question is, who's he going to appoint as a vice presidential candidate? That's the question. More so than probably any other election in the history of the country. Maybe it'll be Henry Kissinger. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's going to be a black female. It'll be a female, and she's probably going to be black, and it's probably going to be that chick out of Georgia. They floated Mich- Michael Obama. They floated the transvestite. <laughs> the speculation Michael, is, Michael, does Michael, he go Michael, back Obama. and grab Hillary at the last minute? I think he will. 
glass ceiling. Unbelievable times. I mean, I, you know, the on the political scene uh, is just damned interesting. You're seeing a political party. You're you're seeing a major established political party absolutely self-destruct in front of your eyes. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that support them yet in spite of that. So, That's true, but... Uh, of course, those people, those people are self-destructing as well. Uh, now, <clears throat> there's, an old, there's an old saying that I've heard around here, and, and uh, I'm, I'm hearing more of it, and I'll, I'll share this. I, I keep hearing more and more people around here talking like this, and so I'm just sharing this. I'm not, I'm not advocating anything. <laughs> but uh, I've, heard an, I've heard a number of these guys say, when we stop voting in the ballot box and voting with a cartridge box, and I, I said, well, you, you, you might want to keep your powder dry there. We've, you know, we've, but, we've, we've heard that talk before. Try the affidavit first, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another Get your thinking straight first. Uh, there was there was another really there's something else that was significant that came up. I had it on my tongue and I lost it. It'll come back in a minute. Uh, oh, this Roger, is it. You know, you heard what on this? I, I, keep for, I keep forgetting to ask you, Roger. There's a question that is important. I think. Um, do you believe that all these people who are uh, United States citizens? actually because they're not supporting the constitution it it's it, it it begins to make it null and void uh because there's so few supporters no you no because no they have because they have to keep american samoa over there to get the structure to continue the deceit they've got to make the differentiation because it's already out there okay i wanted well, to I'm go back in sheer in sheer numbers if you if i got you know 250 million people on one side of the ledger and 100,000 on the other, that, that holds some weight in law. I, I don't think so. You know, the, the what weight it pulls is structurally set underneath, and they'd have gotten rid of it a long time ago. Let me bring up this example that happened. This is more of this death uh, defacing you know nascar which i've never been a big nascar guy okay but there's a lot of people that eat sleep and drink that stuff okay you're one of them you're the new baptized one patrick and so yesterday because one of the nascar drivers is black and objected they fly the confederate battle flag at their events and now they've ceased doing that and today, one of their drivers quit. He made a public announcement, I'll be retiring at the end of this season. I don't give a hoot about the Confederate flag. I only chase the checkered flag, but I do care, and I will not kneel for anybody. Public statement. That was Good. Wallace. Rest Wallace. Do what, yep, Chris? Yeah, he's the jock of milk, baby. Okay. Uh, the the guy that stood up is yeah. Italian, Sicily or something like that. I read a little bit of short yeah. article on yeah. Zero Hedge, right. but uh, good for him. You know, at some point, and this was the point that Tucker was making. He did an unbelievable monologue last night. 
for hell 15 20 minutes okay and he said you cannot bend to these people you got to stand up to them if you bend to them they're just going to push you again and you're going to bend again it's like that little video that's floating around where the, the the black guy and he's taking it with his cell phone and this is the way he sets it up i'm from the black lives matter corporation he said that corporation and I have been assigned to come out here and get you to apologize. And it's a white middle-aged woman with a mask on, and she gets down on her knees and apologizes to him on that video for her white privilege. Well, they can't distinguish the Esau Edomite from the white man, which were the true Israelite. They're they're nothing but uh, all. How would you say it? Chameleons. They they. Uh, mimic everything lucifer does and at the end of the day those white folks have nothing to do with this if you study the slave trade the jews were the ones that were bringing well, them over i heard a guy make a real interesting comment on that and he said the whites were the last one to come to the table on slavery and the first ones to leave it yeah, we were, there was more of us in slavery than, than them at one time. I mean, Absolutely. We, think about when we were back with uh, Mo coming across well, the Red Sea. I remember, we I heard, when I became... I mean, we'll talk about that. Let's go back to the original deal. Well, I heard uh, you know, uh, Hoffman, the first like, first time I heard Hoffman was interviewed on Pastor Pete Peters' show years ago, okay? And it was after he wrote the little book, They Were White and They Were Slaves, which totally documents everything Patrick just said in spades, okay? And to promote the book, and he started going around the country talking at universities, all right? And he said in the discussion with Peters, he said, the people were the biggest offended people out of all these presentations were the blacks because it was stealing their victimhood. Yeah, there's a there's a point that Alan Wilson makes about history and how it gets distorted. And he used the uh, opening scene in Roots. And then he says it shows I'm not familiar with it, but. He said it shows the white guys running around in the jungle, gathering up all these black guys right. to bring them home as slaves. Right. He says when in fact you can go over there and there's this huge colonial building from the time where the the black chiefs would go out and grab other Indians and they put them in there in bleachers and uh, the white slave guys would come over and pick them off the bleachers and put them on the ships and take them on home. Yep. <laughs> Right there in the coast of Africa, there in the northern Africa, I don't remember the port, but there was a port that they built totally to do that. Right. I and I guess that it's still a tourist destination. Sure. This huge building is still sitting there. Well, it's just, um, you know, we're such an oasis in the desert because nobody cares about facts for the most part anymore. I actually had a guy down here tell me. I was trying to give him, he, he, I said, these are facts. He said, I don't care about facts. And I wrote him back. I said, well, if you don't care about facts, you don't care about truth then, do you? What a dummy. What how, a about, dummy. how about the evidence? Look, if I you don't like jump. facts, what about the evidence? Okay. Um, on this subject, there's a book that I would highly recommend for everybody. Or you can get the uh, you can actually get the audio. It's called White Cargo: The Forgotten History of Britain's White Slaves in America, and uh, it's phenomenal. 
It's uh, incredibly detailed about the real history of the founding of uh, uh, the uh, uh, trading trading posts that uh, became the the colonies were originally founded as as commercial trading posts, and most of the people that were there were indentured, and uh, which is. Uh, uh, so something you're not going to read in the in the general well, uh, history book. I, I know one thing that came out of that Hoffman book that really shocked me at the time was it was the Irish slaves that they used in the fields because they didn't have to pay nothing for them hardly, but they had to pay two thousand or more for those black slaves and they worked in the house. Yeah, well, that doesn't make a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you gotta, the term you know, you the term redneck red came from the ones they sent to the Caribbean, specifically to the sugarcane plantations. The blacks didn't get sunburn. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they just got a little well, blacker. You know, you can't you can't make logical reach logical decisions based on a false premise no, you and. Can't. And, uh, and and until you take responsibility for uh, the information uh, in your own in your own mind, you you will keep continue continue to make uh, inaccurate choices uh, that work against your 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 own self interest. Actually, and uh, the so motivation has to come from within for this. It can't yeah. be instilled well, from this without. Is why, this is this is why I look at some people and say you and I are not alike. Uh, I, I don't want to be like them. Okay, I, I don't want to. I don't want to live in in their world, and uh, because it uh, it's uh, well, it <clears throat> when it reaches gestation, it goes through gestation, it, it achieves the uh, the world that we have around us okay so um the you know there's 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 an important very important concept here which is that you know and i can phrase it in a question the question is does uh does history uh establish a precedent <laughs> and and uh, it, it's it's just that simple and, and people ignore precedents of history they sure do and uh i don't uh, i i think the only thing that can overcome this eventually eventually i say eventually is, is suffering and uh and uh i to some degree i i think it's i think it's only reasonable and uh, to believe that we will experience uh i don't know to what degree in our lifetime but a an escalated form of tyranny and oppression. Uh, and uh, I don't know exactly what form it'll take. Uh, I know where they want it to go, but uh, we'll see about that. You know, Jesus That's said that, you know, says, how difficult it would be for a, for a rich man to get into heaven. Well, I think it's almost the same for our message. If you don't have a mooring in the Bible or in spirit, you're not going to get this message. Wait, it's not going to happen. It... it, it it causes something inside 
you because there's no way you can comprehend the information when you're first confronted with it. It's too much. Okay, but there's got to be something inside that's stimulated by it because it attracts yeah. you from that point. The seed is planted there, and from that point on, it's up to the composite of the individual whether he moves forward with this or not. I, uh, the intelligence that you—I think creator. I mean, you can understand that it's—it comes from the light. We're the light of the world. We well, pick up on that kind of stuff. I, it's, it's that Bible. It's that—it's that Old Testament. You know, Patrick. It always comes back to me as I ponder this, which I have for many years, to that verse in the Old Testament, which says, "For they have not a love of the truth," and that's that scenario. Well, you put it in front of them, and they reject it because they don't have that spark that's ignited. That's the love of the truth. Well, they don't have a floating yeah. rib. They, well, don't, they don't think like us. Their thoughts are not like us. They could care less about how we think. It's all monetary. They're straight out of Lucifer, and uh, they don't have the illumining uh, light going around their corona. No. I mean, it's 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 not there for them. They don't walk our well, way. It's it's contrary well, to Let me uh, let me throw this out here. Slavery. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. When they Patrick. ask me about slavery. I just tell them. I say, I say, well, did you pick cotton? And, and my wife did. I didn't. But I asked them that, and they say no. I said, well, number two. I said, what about my people, my brothers and sisters that were in bondage in the in the uh, Exodus in the book? Go read Exodus, and let's let's start talking right there from slavery. Like, you want to go back to slavery? Let's go back to where it originally started in your country where you came from. You know, they get real quiet then. It's it's just unreal. Well, the the, uh, the switch that's been put on uh, us, and the chameleon, the great chameleon, mimics everything to the truth. He runs right down the edge of it. Lucifer's got it all figured out. He's a counterfeit. Everything's counterfeit. Let me ask a question out of yeah. a little ignorance of mine here from something you just said, Patrick. Didn't Babylon precede Egypt? Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, no, Babylon was, uh, it was, yeah, it was in B.C. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it was Nebuchadnezzar's days. You're right. But the way the Bible's chronologically lined up, it's out of order. It's missing 14 books, which identifies it. Y'all know what those are. But you're right. You're talking B.C. times. And uh, that was back during the major prophets that discussed all that Daniel and such. And, uh, you know. Uh, well, uh, I'm a, all, uh, it probably came. It, uh, it probably because. transferred from some, the Sumerian culture to the Babylonians. But slavery was absolutely, totally blanketed Babylon. Yeah, that's why that's why they ruled and they were dictators. Okay. And I would yeah, encourage for people all. that are new or if you haven't taken the time to do this, it'll take just a little bit of time. It'll be well well worthwhile for you. Go over to sovereigntosurf.com, sovereign to surf all spelled out, T O and go down on the right side and there's a book there called Historical jurisprudence and it was written in the 30s i believe it was published by john hopkins and the first 90 pages are entitled the babylonian merchant code that is really really good foundational information and it sets it yeah, out it, right it, there it you know it talks about it a guy can sign he's got his his cattle they called them that's where the word goy came from as they considered them cattle in babylon okay in that culture 
and uh, goes over the whole thing. It's all spelled out. You see a lot of nuances in the old Babylonian law you can bring forward, such as, for instance, the maritime thing where all these people think we're under admiralty law. Did you know that the merchant law has two different ways of dealing with either good trade caravans that were over water or over sea, Patrick? Didn't know that. They had that differentiation all the way back in Babylon in the Babylonian Merchant Code, and this was the reason. Because if it was overseas and there was always a chance that it was an act of God that sunk the ships or whatever happened to the caravan. But if it was over and they didn't have to pay back the loan. If it was over sea and there was a catastrophe, if it was over land, even the person that took the loan out, his heirs were responsible for paying it back. Well, yeah, even, heard in, a, even in Babylon, attorney, attorney said that uh, if you take the clay tablets that they found in Babylon and you compare them to today's law, it was just as intricate and detailed. I mean, divorces and everything Absolutely. all written down on and, the clay tablets. And what know? it will say, if you don't read that, let me give you a little bit of it. It said, Babylonians great, Babylonia's great contribution to the world. And that's the way he phrases it. Okay, Babylon's great contribution to the world is they reduced everything in the culture down to the conceptual idea of contract. Yeah. Uh, What would uh, something that I would recommend that you also look up associated with that is called the Code of Hammurabi. Yes. And uh, or the Code of Hammurabi is basically the same thing. Except, uh, and, and it's, it's a very long list of, of contract and, and, uh, and remedy and, uh, and uh, reward or punishment. So uh, the Code of Hammurabi is important. This, is, this also draws out why uh, America, uh, well, basically, uh, really, the United States, as far as I can tell, fulfills every aspect of Mystery Babylon. Mystery Babylon. And, uh, yep, yep. of course, that's... That's that's my conclusion. You you know you can reach your own. But I, I want to go back to something Patrick was saying, and we were talking about a little bit earlier. And uh, I'm a I'm a firm believer that um, present performance is a good indicator. Or excuse me, I apologize. Uh, past performance is a is a major indicator of future performance. Okay, and and having said that. I would ask, I would ask you, all of us listening and talking here, as the people that you're dealing with, and and just take a moment and reflect on the people you're talking with and dealing with. Do they have a past performance that indicates that they will show courage in the present or the future? And. so, Which people are you, you talking you, about, uh, them or us? Well, I, I expect them to fall on their face, and I'm going to tell you why. Because over a hundred times in history, basically the same thing has happened, and they've fallen on their face every time. Every time time how you spell that code how you spell that code you said code of hammurabi how you spell it hammurabi uh it's it's i'll I'll probably get it wrong but it's it's if you put it in your search engine it'll come up but it's 
H A M M A R A B I. I might have. I, a, I think that's spot on, uh, Daryl. I think that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Um, Chris, sure. you're, uh, we got people leaving now. Uh, Patrick left, and Bob, I think, left. But Chris, you were trying to say something a minute ago. We stepped right all over you. Well, I, I deny that categorically, Roger. Okay, okay. Now we'll do it again. <laughs> I had three little points I thought were somewhat material. One, we have to discern with our spirit of discernment whether it's his story or Ha's story. And to that point, when we look at Ha Ma Rabbi, uh, perhaps instead of Hammurabi, as they tell us that he is, uh, we must note that Nimrod, or Nimrad, as the case may be, uh, was the founder and the king of Babylon who constructed the Tower of Babal to try to be likened to the gods and be able to get up there that had it destroyed and the confused ion of linguistics or language, the rage of the tongue, on the rest of us. And without Considering these things, we're kind of missing some of the important historical significance, I think. Daryl hit on something earlier that's always titillated me, and that's the phrase Mystery Babylon. Okay, And I've thought about it many hours over the years. Let me cough here. Uh, so Babylon was confusion, right? You just said it, Chris. Confusion. And the confusion is a mystery back evidently in those days it wasn't a mystery because they tore down the tower and made them all speak their own languages to add to the confusion but today it's a mystery and i wonder if the mystery could be all this equivocation and dialectics with opposite definitions of words where you and i if you don't know this stuff you and i can carry on a conversation and you don't know what the hell i'm talking about is that where the, the truth mystery could become a lie and a lie become a truth where where good becomes bad and bad becomes good yeah yeah is that the mystery right. in yeah, mystery yeah, babylon yeah, I'm, yeah, i mean I it's titillating freedom radio i've been listening a little bit more lately they got some pretty good guests that they had uh, david ike on there for two hours and i used to think the guy was sort of vacuous and you know inane but uh really quite a deep character and he, he made a statement that stuck with me he said if you don't look at the consequences of an act that you're doing and measure everything and blah, blah, blah. If you simply do it out of love, you got to be right. That stuck with me. Well, I do know this, and you go back to even the Beatles and all that stuff from the 60s, and and that statement about love breaking the chain is correct. If If you don't use love to break the chain of hate, the chain of hate just continues to escalate. Uh, it's it's a lot of people that I talk to about this subject and stuff like that. They'll uh, they're such hypocrites, and they 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 do it for their paycheck, their pension, etc. They don't want to rock the boat because it's all about money with them, not about what's right and well, wrong. And then they throw it in my face that well, children are, are what's important to them. Yet I said, well, what about the future of your children? Don't you consider that? Isn't that worth it? 
No, it's their pension. It's their paycheck. You know, that's it. Well, they're worried about rocking the boat and falling out. Well, yeah. a whole bunch of them are going to wake up when this pension crisis hits, buddy, because it's looming right now. And what we found out well, yesterday, and we touched on that video. I don't know if any of you went back and watched that SGT report last night. I I listened to it again, and I've still got it queued up, and I may listen to it again because of all the complex stuff that he goes over that's so incredibly important there on the inner workings of how they've been actually using this naked shorting scheme to go in and target and take over companies. And evidently, that's what they were doing to Patrick Burns at Overstock.com that originally got all this started. Okay? And it was only here, the, the background on you that haven't watched this is very interesting. This attorney goes and works with another famous Houston attorney who had been an alcoholic in his younger part of his career and had had a lot of incidents. But he sobered up, evidently, and then the first attorney goes to help him in some investments, in the legal work on some investments, bad investments he'd made, and they got to be friends, and it, they both attended the same church in Houston. And they're at the church, and somebody comes up to him and said, Something weird is going on with our stock. He said, four of us own 80% of the company, and a whole bunch of mysterious stuff is happening with the stock, and we don't know who's doing it. And that's where this all started. And they hooked up with Patrick Burns and his attorneys, who evidently had been subjected to this. But what they're doing is using naked shorts to go in and take over companies and then bankrupt them. And in the bankruptcy, everything's buried. How about that? Okay. Yeah. I mean, slick, well, man. And, These and bastards are slick, boys. I, go back and yeah. judge something we've talked about, Chris, you and I. There's a book you can download it on the Internet. I don't remember who the author was. I can tell you the title, Jews Must Live. And that whole book is written about them stealing companies. Yeah. Well, the statistics can say the billionaires have gained uh, the most out of this uh, crap that's being pulled in the last few months. They've gone up in value tremendously. They made 500 and something billion since the coronavirus. I heard it on a video this morning. Well, let's, let, let, let me, uh, I heard something the other night that uh, will help put some of this in perspective. Thanks, Samuel. You reminded me that there is, is that some of the biggest losers in this uh last three, four months here have been millionaires. And you would think, well, wow, millionaires, they've got it made. Well, listen, uh, this was put into perspective for me. There's as much difference between a millionaire uh, and a billionaire as there is between a millionaire and somebody on welfare. <laughs> okay. And I, I had never, I'd never really thought about that. Well, you remember but, Untermeyer's uh, day. I think it wasn't it Untermeyer that ran uh, Untermeyer. No, it was Barack Bar Bar Barack Baruch, whatever is Baruch Barack, that ran the Bar industrial. Barney, Barney Baruch. Yeah, Barney yeah. Baruch. And he's the one that when they started getting together for World War II, he got the industrial class there, quote unquote, together, and he said, "In the first World War, we made you millionaires." And this one will make you billionaires. 
he went he ran the production for the uh, war machine he uh he basically had the same job barney baruch had the same job as albert Speer did uh in the latter part of world war ii for uh uh nazi germany uh, which bring, brings to mind, if, if anybody is short on reading material, uh, it's a phenomenal, over-the-top, I, I give it my highest recommendation, Albert Speer, he writes his own book, In Prison, and um, the title of the book is Inside the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't be able to put it down. You will read it. Uh, your wife will start throwing stuff at you to come to supper. You will not put it down. It is an amazing uh, book. If I remember Spears' history, he he was not a Nazi or politically motivated tremendously, but he was an architect, and he was a pretty damn good one. And what he got yeah. his raised raised to fame with those big speeches that you see in that huge area with Hitler up there and all the spotlights and the big flags. He organized all that. And that's what put him on the map with Hitler, and his career took off from that. Isn't that right, pretty much, Daryl? Well, yeah, for for a lot. He uh, he he was commissioned. He was commissioned by uh, Adolf and the boys to uh, uh, draw up a model of of uh, the the new um, uh, German city of the future. And uh, he he writes in there. He says, uh, "I was amazed." When uh, I guess the conversation between Albert Speer and Hitler was, uh, well, you know, uh, the the Allies are bombing bombing our cities into rubble, and and Hitler says, well, that's okay. Uh, it'll be easier to clean up when we build our new one. <laughs> okay, something to that effect. And uh, but Albert Speer uh, is is given some credit, uh, well, actually a lot of credit for single handedly. Uh, being able to continue uh, the battle for an additional year and a half to two years <clears throat> just simply based upon his uh, logistical and organizational he, abilities and he, the uh, he diversified of, uh, armament. He diversified yeah. the so. ball-bearing elements of the manufacturing process from one point to multi-points, and they couldn't yeah, shut was, it down. Yeah. You, you won't. You won't be disappointed when you read the book. You will not be disappointed. And uh, I just wanted to say something just quickly about what you were talking about earlier and what's going on with this country. And um, uh, here's my here's my cornbread version of this. It's easier to start a fire than to put it out. And and uh, figuratively and literally. And uh, so. Have you ever tried to de-escalate somebody when they're really angry? That's not, that's not an easy trick. Now, it doesn't take much to get them. Most people, it doesn't take much to light them off. But, boy, try cooling them off, okay? It's not an easy task. Sometimes and, uh, it's better uh, better to let it burn out, but the the potential ramifications are catastrophic if they continue to let these people do this, like Seattle, like well, is proliferating in I Seattle was, right I was now. That would be okay, but that would be okay. But we're in the same we're in the same canoe with them. We're we're in the same canoe. Okay, we we if my grandpa if my grandpa was here, he would here here's a cornbread euphemism. More cornbread. Get your beans ready too. The cornbread version is this: is um, uh, suffering fools. 
we are literally experiencing, literally, and we, we are suffering fools. And uh, that's what my grandpa would say. So, <laughs> I, I heard something yeah. encouraging this morning uh, for you know sanity. They, they they had a congressional hearing, of course, run by the Democrats, uh, Nadler. And uh, first they had Floyd's uh, brother up there talking about this tragedy and what a wonderful guy he was, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then after that, they had the black officer that was killed in Oakland, sister speak. So it gave it balance. And it wasn't this one side, you know, you know, he was black too. He was in front of a federal building and he was shot several times by somebody to make sure he wasn't going to get up. Um, And it, it gave it some balance. I was encouraged by that. Okay. I see a lot of Nadler videos. I see a lot of uh, a number of videos uh, on black guys standing up and saying, you know, standing up and saying this is wrong and etc. It's it's refreshing to me, and I know there's a lot of good fine black people out there that have got a lot of sanity. Okay, and uh, maybe they'll be able to assert themselves. They had a screaming match. Who who? It was on, was it Hannity? I just saw a clip of it with this radical black guy out of Houston and the guy that runs the National Civil Rights Committee. And you, if, if any of you saw that, you know what I'm talking about. You couldn't shut this lefty up. They, you couldn't talk. He gave him the, his opening and let him say his piece, and then he went to turn to the other guy, and he wouldn't let the other guy talk. It's just the same thing. You just shout down everybody. You know, you don't listen to what they got to say. You just shout them down, and then they're irrelevant, and you win. And uh, they had to go to the point of shutting off the microphones on that little uh, that little foray last night. Um, so, and another one I saw as they were interviewing, it wasn't that little Wayne thing I mentioned yesterday, but it was on that same video, and they were interviewing another rapper, and they said something about Black Lives Matter to him, and he was sitting in a studio chair. And he went into convulsions, physical convulsions, with his hands and his feet kicking, saying, get that stuff away from me. Don't come to me with that stuff. So there's some sanity out there in the black community. Hopefully it will prevail. Yeah, I, yeah. I, have, I have several. Uh, <clears throat> I've had several really good customers in the, in the central Alabama area here that bring me really expensive bikes. And... and uh, w- Inevitably, we turn into friends, and uh, and uh, we have really good conversations. And uh, so I, I, uh, I, uh, I have it on on personal experience that the that does exist. So yep. well, listen, um, you know, I lived in Atlanta the, uh, for thirty years. And I'm going to tell you what I I had a lot of black friends that I'd much rather spend time with than some of the white folks I knew. I mean, I'm being totally yeah, sincere I, about that. I, okay. Well, I'm too. Um, I, one of my we're all one about of my out of time friends. here. We're about out of time. I I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Samuel. We're, we're about out of time. I wanted to just make this quick. There's there's something I want to keep bringing up here as time goes on, and that is th- this uh, this uh, black white issue uh, with uh, Floyd and uh, all these other ones. This isn't a, a, a black-white issue. It's this not. is a state versus people issue, and they're covering it. They're covering it with the 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 black-white uh, race baiting, 
this is a state power uh, versus people issue. And what what that what that officer did, that agent did, was use state power to murder another man. Okay, that's all that was. And until you until you frame until you frame the issue at the appropriate level, this will still this will continue to be mystery Babylon. Well, okay, I, I, there was a little clip that floated through from a former retired cop on our forum last night. who was saying, ain't no way this thing was legitimate. If the guy's dead, they put a yellow tape around everything. They don't come over and throw him like a sack of potatoes in the gurney. They do all these other things that they're required to do by police protocol. It's obvious it was a setup. Or I should say it's becoming more obvious by the day. And I think that's one of the things that's going to backfire on them as we get a little further down the road. Speaking of down the road, tomorrow's Brent. Uh, sorry, Samuel, run out of time, buddy. Tomorrow is Brent, and uh, I'm sure he'll have a lot to say and add, and I know he'll tie it to a spiritual basis, uh, and I know we'll all be hanging on every word. So uh, tomorrow, 22 hours from now, we will reconvene the quilting session here and see if we can put another section on the quilt. You guys have a good day. Stay tuned to what all's going on, and uh, we'll see what develops in the next 22 hours. And if we can't get to it with Brent tomorrow, we'll talk about it next week. So you guys have a a good day. See you manana and la manana, and uh, we'll see what Brent has to proffer. Thanks for participating, and I hope you got something out of our time together. See you all manana, huh? Vaios con Dios. Vaios con Dios, amigos. Vaios con Dios.